That was recorded at Carnegie Hall uh, at the conclusion of our last show there at Carnegie Hall. I'd like to be able to tell you that we're going to do more Carnegie Hall shows. We have done four now, and all of them were sellouts. However, Carnegie Hall, like many things in this world, has simply priced itself right out of the realm of reality. <laughs> I mean, uh, ain't no way to do a show in Carnegie Hall, unless, of course, you charge maybe $7,500 for the ticket, you know, and that kind of thing, and I don't think most people stand so. I, as, as a performer, won't stand so for that. But uh, this was a... Uh, just listen to this. I mean, you just sit back there, you know, you turn this up on that uh, cheapy radio you got in your car. Even that'll sound good. Turn up the volume on your cheap radio as you're driving along the turnpike and just let her rip, buddy. <laughs> we have here a note from one of our victims out there. He says, uh, this uh, Shepherd, I don't hear you talk as much about sports as I would like to hear you talk about sports. He said, uh, you used to talk more about sports than you talk now about sports. And as a sports fan, I want to hear you talk about sports. After all, Howard Cosell gets away with it, and look at him. Well, <laughs> that's a good point, kid. And then he says, please tell me who is your favorite sports character currently. Well, now, you've asked me an interesting question. That's a, you have posed me a poser there. Mm -hmm. And without fear of being hoist on my own petard. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, Hamaker Schlemmer, you know that uh, fancy uh, gadget store here in New York? They have a wonderful new fall line of petards that uh, come in alligator skin cases. And any time at the office you're going to, you know, be hoist, you might as well be hoist on a gold-plated petard as well as one of those cheap plastic ones you can get at Macy's. So um, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it well. I mean, I know a guy that even bought a pail for his backyard, P-A-L-E, so that all of his neighbors can be beyond the pail. You like that? Oh, 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 oh. Let's hear that again. <laughs> oh, thank you, gang. It comes in a kit, you see. You just hook it together and you bolt it together. It comes with instructions. There's no problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you look a little pale today, Herman. That's, that's remorseless. Remorseless bad jokes. Well, what the hell? That's what media is made of. I mean, anyone can believe in Beretta can laugh at one of my jokes. I can tell you that. Oh yes, so uh, my favorite sports character. Okay, I'm going to disappoint you because my favorite sports character is uh, probably somebody you quite possibly never heard of. Well, don't be so. You may have heard of it, this character. You may have heard the name. But that doesn't necessarily mean you know about this character. Because, you know, I think sometimes the real characters don't get the kind of uh, press that they deserve. The, there, there are many uh, manufactured characters that do, uh, you know, that have, uh, have all kinds of reasons for manufacturing a character in this media world. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the biggest businesses today in New York is manufacturing characters for media consumption. Now, that's not the same as image-making. Not at all. You know, you can go to a consultant here in town, and he can manufacture an entire character for you. Now, that doesn't mean an image. A character. From here on, Mr. Bullet, you're a very sensitive person, and you cry easily. What do you mean, cry You're going to cry easily, and we have lessons that we give every Wednesday and Friday night in intermediate and advanced crying. And uh, you're going to cry easily, 
Uh, more than that, you're going to develop laugh lines around your eyes. And we have a surgeon that will do that for you. And uh, <laughs> believe me, I'm not kidding you. Uh, the, the creation of a character is very important today. Now, many a movie star, by the way, is not at all like the character that has been created for him by the character creators, not the image creators, the character creators. And he's often quite the opposite of the actual character that, that the audience thinks he is. I mean, you know, many of them have trouble reading without moving their lips. And uh, <laughs> I've known several of that type. In fact, I know one guy who had such trouble uh, understanding a script that he had to have a coach read the script over to him over and over and explain to him what it meant. And he's a very famous guy who's on talk shows constantly and, by the way, is known as a deep political thinker now. So uh, I don't want to get into any personalities. <laughs> if the shoe fits, buddy, you might as well put it on. But be sure to put it on the right foot. You know, shoes come in both feet. There's a left foot and a right foot. Fella, you see, take a look. Hold your foot up there. See, the one with the toe on that side, that's called the left foot. Uh-huh. Yeah, you see, there's a bigger one there. That toe there, that one of them is bigger than all the other toes. See, that's on the inside of your foot. See it there? Oh, look at that. Wiggle it. There you go. See, you can wiggle it. There. See, it's easy. Well, uh, so, uh, you see, uh, high cheekbones do not necessarily mean high ideals, nor even uh, high IQ, which is even scarier. Hey, <laughs> George. <laughs> Incidentally, did I tell you that, that one of my favorite licenses I've seen recently, I was up in uh, Vermont, and uh, Vermont, incidentally, is a state that is filled with people who have no income whatsoever, who are struggling along. It's one of those depressed-type states, but they have the most prolific, uh, prolific outpouring of uh, so-called vanity plates. I mean, the lower down you are, the more you want a vanity plate on your car. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You don't think for a minute that, uh, say, uh, uh, April Harriman needs a vanity plate, do you? <laughs> it's only Archie Bunker that needs them. <laughs> when you ain't got nothing going, at least you can get a fancy thing down at the License Bureau. But uh, nevertheless, my favorite one recently, I see this one in, uh, in, uh, in uh, I think it was in Rutledge. A guy driving along, got this uh, 63 Dodge Charger, you know, and it's all rusted out in the back and the smoke is pouring out and the back window is cracked and He's got bumper stickers that say south of the border. You seen those bumper stickers? Well, you know, that doesn't mean Mexico. Did you know what that means? South of the border is a motel. <laughs> it is. It's a motel. And uh, anytime you see a south of the border sticker on the back of a car, that's a guy that drove his old heap all the way down to Florida one year so the kids could see Disney World. Now, uh, he, he, that's what south of the border is. See, so he had the south of the border thing on the back. He also had one that says, visit the moving desert of Maine, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, he's driving along. You know, there is a moving desert of Maine. Why do I know everything? And hardly anybody knows anything, I notice. All you do is you, you read the bumper stickers. You see them around. The moving desert of Maine. It's a great tourist attraction in Maine. It's a sand pile about 30, 40 feet across. And they move it every couple of months to another location. And it's called, visit the moving desert of Maine. And they have a camel they put out there and he stands there. It's a great, great tourist attraction. <laughs> and uh, you can send postcards home from it and all. But uh, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. I don't, I don't make the news, friends. I only report it. So, uh, nevertheless, it's the way you report it, right? Uh -huh, that's right. Oh, one of the great cultural moments in our life is about to happen. Barbara Walters is coming on the nighttime news. Oh, I can hardly wait. Oh, wow. 
I'll tell you, that's that's going to be exciting. That's that's going to be one of the biggest debuts since uh, the first Rhoda show. I think they're going to put the Rhoda show on the Rhoda, the way it looks. Their their ratings have plunged, you know. So now they're trying everything. Rhoda divorces her husband. Next week, Rhoda commits suicide. Everybody watches. <laughs> oh, God. Where will it ever end? So <laughs> madness is rampant. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, my favorite sport. Oh, you want to hear about the license plate? It says H-I-I-Q. Yeah, and the guy, he had hair that grew all the way down to the end of his nose. I mean, you talk about a low forehead, he, you know. Uh, he, he, he's beetling brown. He's driving along. I went past him. He looked down and went, oh, I think you're passing, huh? And, uh, you know, I just drove by. And I thought, well, we can all dream. Uh, dreams are not the same as realities. Gee, that was profound, wasn't it? Hit that. Hit the profound uh, applause button. Thank you. A little cheering there for somebody. That's right, deep thinking. Of course, that kind of stuff does pass for deep thinking in the media, you know. Oh, yes, you'll see somebody uh, on the Mike Douglas show, and he'll say, You know, Mike, uh, sometimes I think that our fantasies are not the same as the reality of life. And Mike will look and say, Hey, isn't that, that's, that's really heavy. Uh, crowd, uh, I mean, you know, we like to bring serious guests on once in a while that say these heavy things. Don't worry, we'll get back to Sammy Davis in just a moment in the marimba band. But uh, would you please repeat that again, Professor? Uh, yes, uh Things just aren't what they sometimes seem to be, Mike. Very good. Now it's time for an Apple commercial. <laughs> That's, called, That's called a get-a-think guest. That's called a think guest. Give him a minute and a half, and he comes out and reads the bottoms of calendars, you know, the kind of slogans that say, look before you leave. This is WOR, radio's think tank. This is WOR in New York. <laughs> the Rand Corporation of the Airwaves. You can hear him down there swimming in the think tank. And there goes Barry Farber fast, wearing his flippers and the snorkel sticking out of his ear. Barry, you put it in your mouth, not your ear. Okay, commercial time. Director. Well, I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, I find uh, Muhammad Ali these days a bit wearing. I mean, his, uh, to me, his act is getting thin. And uh, But, you know, that's, uh, if that's your dish of tea, go ahead and Slurp it up, buddy. Uh, uh, there are other characters that uh, are around, but my favorite character in sports today, well, I'm going to disappoint you. Now, how do you define your favorite character? Well, it's style, first of all. Not necessarily pure performance, but style. Uh, the way a thing is done is often as important uh, as what is done. Uh, appearance, uh, dignity, if you will, many other things. <laughs> and I, what the, you know, this this is a complicated issue. Uh, what is your favorite? Now, of course, it's all subjective. I mean, your your favorite character may be Carlton Fisk. I mean, I don't know. You know, what are you going to do? You know, who is Carlton Fisk? Well, he's a catcher. <laughs> or I guess most people think of him as a guy in the American Express commercials. Well, uh, actually, Carlton Fisk. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's an in-and-out catcher for the Boston Red Sox. And uh, you know what the Boston Red Sox were. They were this great ball team. However, uh, nevertheless, uh, it's amazing how things could change in ten minutes in this game. However, uh, uh, my favorite character has never appeared on an American Express spot. You know, the one that says, uh, you might not know my face, but 
and then it goes and you know prints it out my half my gandhi or something on the bottom well uh, uh he's never appeared to my knowledge although quite possibly uh, he's worth more than all the express card holders combined in the world today uh he uh, he's a very very uh, powerful creature my favorite character happens to be forgo now i'll tell you why now i'll tell you why seriously if you don't know anything about now the, the guy that wrote me didn't say your favorite person he said your favorite character and anyone who knows anything about uh sports has to recognize forgo as one of the truly greats truly great i mean not popular but great big difference in short uh uh well i'll tell you what what i mean by great there are only a few i suppose you can say uh personages performers in any field that really last much longer than the personalities impact of the time they lived in in short uh there are a lot of great performers that will not be remembered except in record books and in trivia contests they're great performers but who's uh, you know they, somehow they didn't catch the imagination they didn't do a lot of things uh one of the great uh, all-time performers is uh man of war now there was man of war somehow captured the imagination of the public and he is today talked about almost as a mythical horse uh and the, you you've seen pictures of man of war and statuettes of man of war this is true of Babe Ruth now people who argue uh, statistics back and forth somebody hit more of this or miss another are missing the point of of uh, of of greatness and by greatness i mean a person who transcends the statistics that he has compiled or the hits that he's been in uh, an example of that would be say Babe Ruth uh, Babe Ruth uh, is uh, is is one of those personages he's uh, He's almost legendary now and people who ever saw Babe Ruth play and I was certainly that was well way before my time but I can tell you that people who saw Babe Ruth play today their probable only claim to fame is that they once saw Babe Ruth <laughs> I mean I'm serious there uh, uh, there are guys yes there are guys who who rule the local bar when he comes in they point him out they say see that old codger down there he saw Babe Ruth hit two home runs <laughs> against Boston <laughs> and of course then the, the people question him you see and it's, it's just like you know you are the only guy in your neighborhood who saw Neptune who actually saw <laughs> you know a legend uh, it's, a, it's a myth well okay now you see what i mean in the terms of, of what i'm talking about uh forgo has become almost a mythical horse even in his own time uh in in some ways even greater than uh than secretariat who was undoubtedly one of the great uh horses of the uh, over the past 50 years I mean great but Forgo is slowly accumulating a curious legend you see Forgo uh, for, for starters uh, and you may or may not be interested in racing but you are interested in something that just literally towers above the local competition or anything that's going around at the time he's why didn't he race against secretariat it's a good question well Forgo was what they call a late bloomer forgo did not race as a two-year-old uh nor did forgo race and and you have to race as a two-year-old become eligible for the kentucky derby you see these are rules you may not know but uh forgo did not race really seriously until after his third year he raced all through his fourth year and as he i believe he's six now now forgo among other things 
has an absolute unparalleled string of fantastic. He's won like something like uh, 23 or 24 races against the top competent. And that's a, well, after all, you know how many races that Man of War actually won? Well, he won 21. Uh, uh, he only lost one. <laughs> and and uh, that there was some question. He was off his feed that day or something, and everybody loses one. Uh, so did Secretariat. He lost a couple of them. But uh, Forgo, uh, Forgo is, is the way he does it. For example, a couple of weeks ago, Forgo running in the Woodward, an example. If you get a chance to see that race, uh, Forgo was running in the pack back there, and they were charging around. And first of all, you can't help but look at Forgo. It's just like when there's a bunch of ball players out on the field, and let's say, for argument's sake, Babe Ruth is one of them. He's the one you look at. Well, Forgo, curiously enough, has that kind of presence. Forgo, first of all, is a very, very big horse. He's 17 hands plus high. Now, uh, to give you an idea how tall that is, uh, a hand is actually four inches. So you can figure out how tall he is, but that's at the shoulder. <laughs> that is to the top of his head. Now, uh, that means that his shoulder comes roughly uh, right even with, with the average height of the average five-inch, five-feet, nine-inch man. In other words, that's his shoulder standing there. Well, that's that's only one part of it. He's a he's a uh, he's a dark horse, very dark in color. He's a dark bay, almost black. He has impeccable manners for starters. All the uh, horses will come out, and you watch in the starting gate. All these horses will be uh, very nervous. You know, these are thoroughbreds. A thoroughbred is legendarily a nervous, uh, brainless horse. Well, they are. They're bred for speed, like any other creature that's bred for a specific purpose. They have uh, they've lost others. Uh, so the thoroughbred horse is among the least intelligent of the horses, among the most beautiful, but he's one of the least intelligent. For example, do you know that the horses right here that are walking around the streets, uh, the New York City uh, horses, are among the most intelligent? If you're going to measure intelligence, well, what kind are they? Well, it's a specific horse that has been bred for that. It's a horse called the Morgan. Uh, the Morgan horse is among the most intelligent of horses. He's trainable. He, he understands. In fact, when, when most movie stunts are done where you see this horse doing this strange thing, uh, it's generally a Morgan that's been trained to do that. Morgan looks like what you would call a cowboy horse. <laughs> if you don't know horses, he, he's a New England horse and uh, was, uh, was created by a man named Morgan who bred the breed originally and to become uh, a great breed. But... Uh, the thoroughbred is something else. The thoroughbred, of course, has been bred for speed. And so the thoroughbred is a, is a very... And he's always in training, you see, when he's racing, which means that, that uh, they, uh, they take him out at 5 o'clock in the morning and run him around the track, and uh, they, they feed him special feed, and they, they keep him trimmed down. He's always hungry, incidentally. They don't, they don't feed him. Oh, sure. Uh, when a horse starts putting on weight, he's having problems. So they... they, uh, they, they, they they're always kind of mad, and they're often quite vicious. A, a thoroughbred horse is uh, is a quick biter. He'll he'll just reach out and take a chunk out of your shoulder about the size of a football. So does look at you. Yeah, in fact, they call them. Uh, some of them get the reputation of being called a snake uh, because they're quick, and they have a snaky quality about them. They, they'll just suddenly lash out, and uh, wow. Well, they're also tough uh, when they're about to race. You see, they sense this. They know they're racing. This is the focal point of their life. And they love racing. Uh, that's another thing. Horses that... Did you know that many race horses, after they retire from racetracks, literally pine away and die? Because they miss the crowds and they miss the, the whole excitement of it. And one of the great race horses of the last 25 years, 
uh, was uh, they, they retired him. He was over his racing, and he got very uh, moody and unhappy. So now they take him to the races. Whenever they're taking other horses, they take him to the races with them. What horse is that? Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, it's not Forgo. He, uh, the others come to race with him. You know, Forgo is so great that it's hard to round up competitors. A lot of people keep their horses out of the races uh, with a great horse like Forgo because he's, uh, you can really wreck your record. I mean, he, he destroyed honest pleasure. He destroyed a couple of good horses because he just bombed them right off the track. Uh, and that's another thing. He, uh, he, he comes from behind quite often. And uh, that's his technique. Uh, he lays back in the pack, and he comes into the final 16th usually, and then he takes these great strides, and he moves out like A.J. Foyt taking the lead at Indy. It's fantastic. And uh, with Willie Shoemaker, probably the greatest race jockey, flat race jockey who ever lived the combination is unbelievable you know <laughs> but now I'll give you some statistics about Forgo Forgo has been twice already the horse of the year now uh, a horse of the year is, is, is voted by all the trainers and all the uh, writers and that all around the world and the country really as to the great the, the horse of the year literally the, 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 the pick of the horse this is the best horse of any of any age so he's already been twice horse of the year that's like winning the Triple Crown MVP two years running, the batting championship, the home run championship, a few other championships thrown in. Now, more than that, he has a, 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 an absolutely docile, legendary disposition, which you wouldn't believe. No, he's not a pet. Don't think you come over and you pet him and all that. But for a racehorse, he has great dignity, and he does not bite. Uh, he, will, uh, he will suffer fools. Uh, in other words, the fool that comes up and pets a horse, you know, pets the, pet the nice horsey there. Uh, Laurie, there, I see, pet him on the... By the way, horses hate to be petted on the nose, in case you're interested. That's a very sensitive spot. And uh, you really make a mistake reaching out and petting a horse on the nose, unless you know him very well. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, Forgo, Forgo, now, I'll give you some statistics. He's 17 hands high. Magnificent animal. And he is absolutely calm on the day of the race. In fact... Uh, often people get a little worried about him because he seems to be so totally on top of it. They take him out before the race, you know, and they go on the parade, and all the others are prancing around, and they have outriders hold them. That's what those outriders are for, by the way, to keep those horses from going bananas. And uh, he just, you know, he just walks around tall, tremendous height, and uh, absolute cool. And he's completely uh, responsive to the jockey. In other words, this horse knows what you want. And uh, he does it. So he holds back, and when you want him to... In other words, he can be rated. That's a horse racing phrase, meaning a horse that uh, uh, can be paced. He knows, in other words, you can hold him back uh, for a certain length of the race, and you can put him into a pocket or out of, a, out of a pocket when you want him on the rail, when you want him there. He does what he does. Now, I'll give you some curious statistics. Do you know that he has a stride, listen to this one, of 38 feet? Do you know that's roughly almost four stories? To give you an idea how far 38 feet is, his stride is roughly up to about between the third and the fourth story of a building. How's that for a stride? That's when he moves out. Now, that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, he has great coordination and uh, enormous reserves of strength. As a matter of fact, the, the, uh, the comment that one of the jockeys and shoemaker made, that at the end of the Woodward, 
he said that he felt like he could have run three more races that afternoon. He was just that strong and striding out at the end. There was no question. So to me, uh, Forgo uh, is, and he laid off. This is an example of style. He laid off. Uh, he had a he had a bad front leg. He's had leg trouble from now on again. Often big horses do because after all, here's a here's a fifteen hundred pound animal on these very slender legs. Horses have very difficult problems with their legs because they're really not a very practical animal. Uh, God did not create a good animal there because their their legs are far too slender for the weight that they carry. So anyway, he laid off racing free for a whole season. They brought him back, and everyone thought, well, you know, it'd just be like if Muhammad Ali laid off for a year or two. See, they brought him back, and he polished off the best field in the business right here in New York. Just boom. Forgo was back. Now, uh... <laughs> Uh, there's no question he'll be Horse of the Year again this year. But if you ask me what my favorite character is uh, these days in in uh, in sports, I'd have to say Forgo, because he towers over not only physically but uh, uh, he's. Oh, you want to know how much he's won? If, if that means anything to you, well, he's knocked off just a little under one and a half million dollars, which may not mean much to you because Robert Redford gets two million dollars for blowing his nose, but he's in a He's in a field where you have to win it and earn it. <laughs> I mean, he's got to do it. He, uh, he's just got to go out there and earn it the, the hard way, like beating Avatar and Honest Pleasure every couple of weeks. And uh, they load him. He's carrying now. He's so great that he's carrying great loads. You see, they, they handicap him so that uh, the other horses can even stay on the track with him. So that means that his jockey, when he gets aboard that horse, uh, will have little lead weights all around packed into little saddlebags all around him, and he'll be carrying about 137 pounds, roughly, in this, this this next race. Now, that means about 10 pounds or more more than any other. Now, if you don't think 10 pounds is a great deal, he's carrying 10 pounds on his back extra at roughly 35 miles an hour over a mile and a half. So you strap 10 pounds on your back and run off against somebody else who's also a champion. Let's <laughs> see what, what happens, man. So uh, he's, he's just a great, great uh, character. And there will be people, I'll tell you, uh, 50 years from now, whose only claim to fame will be that they once saw Forgo actually run. Oh, I never saw him run. No, I've seen him run many times on television. And I've, uh, I've seen many films of Forgo. I, uh, one, the one time that I had a chance to see Forgo run, he didn't run that day. He was scratched for some physical reason. He decided they said, you know, they kept him out. But uh, I've seen him in person, not run. But he is some animal. I'll tell you this. He's a gelding, by the way, which means that there will be no uh, sons of Forgo. Uh, this is the end of the line right here. Well, let's, uh, you know, uh, that why that's done, of course. There's a number of reasons why that's done. Uh, for one thing, it's much easier to train a horse as a gelding. Uh, you run a stallion and you're able to be having problems with barns being kicked over, jockeys being eaten. A good stallion will often run right up into the stands and chase the fans home. So, uh, <laughs> me. Uh, this is WOR New York. Solgar, S-O-L-G-A-R, the name synonymous with quality, introduces Love Vitamins. The vitamins you give your family because you love them. At health food stores everywhere, Solgar has a 29-year standard of natural vitamin excellence. Now, Solgar tells you important facts already known to those...